All right, good evening to each of you. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Open your Bibles to Revelation uh, chapter 3. We'll give our uh, third lesson tonight on the lukewarm church. The fact that you knew I was going to talk about the lukewarm church and came back tonight, that's a good sign. Right? That, that, that really is actually a good sign because you want to hear. You want to know. And that's actually one of the signs of lukewarm church is it really doesn't want to know where it's at. It just kind of likes where it's at. And so it's good to want to have revealed to us things that may be, may be unpleasant or uncomfortable. That is actually a good sign of somebody that's in a good place uh, spiritually. Um, because one of the things we'll look at, not this message, but in another message, is that the lukewarm church is, is comfortable. It doesn't like change. It likes where it's at. You know? and, um, and so the fact that we want to, to see things uh, that might be signs that we're lukewarm so we can correct them and get them right, because you know, we don't want to be like that, that's a, that's a good sign. So anyhow, I'm glad you came tonight. <laughs> Revelation 3, let's go ahead and read this again, verses 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve, that you may see." As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, help us again as we come into the Word uh, here in Revelation and help us as we think a little bit more about uh, the lukewarm church, the church of the Laodiceans, and I pray that we would uh, have an open heart and open mind, uh, Lord, to your Word tonight and that we would come to you in a spirit of uh, wanting to see and a spirit that, Lord, that does not want to be deceived, a spirit that that is, wants to be aware, Lord, of where we're at uh, in our walk with you. Show us if individuals are lukewarm. Show us if we are lukewarm ourselves. And, and show us if we are as a church, uh, as a whole, as an assembly. And help us, Father, to not be so. Help us to truly be zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, and amen. All right, we'll do a quick review of our uh, last two lessons here and what we considered regarding the lukewarm church in Laodicea. Uh, first of all, we, we stated this very quickly in our first lesson that 
it is obviously, seemingly, the worst of the seven churches that are addressed in Revelation. Uh, the others had obviously very bad problems that needed to be made right. But we also noticed in those churches, the Lord Jesus still uh, notices something positive uh, in those congregations. In other words, even as bad as they were, they still had something positive said about it. And uh, this church, that, there's not that. There's nothing positive said about it. And what we also take note of this too is that there's also nothing specifically negative. I think that's important. Now, yes, the, so the Lord said they're lukewarm. I understand that. But I mean, so far as actions go, I mean, the ones that had something negative, he said something like, you know, that they had idols or let the woman Jezebel, you know, had fornication. In other words, he named a specific sin, you know, tangible that you could say, well, you're doing this wrong. This lukewarmness seems to be more of a spirit. And so what, one thing that we may deal with later is that this lukewarm church, there's nothing great to be said about it, but there's really nothing horrible that could be said about it either. In other words, they're just, they're just kind of plateau. In other words, you may look at it from the outside and say, well, that's not a bad church because there's nothing bad you could point at. And say, Man, look what they're doing. This is terrible. They didn't have that. And so, so when we think about lukewarmness, we could be lukewarm and there really not be anything really bad to point out. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, they got this terrible thing going on down in the New Testament. There's none of that. And so we've got to be aware of that too. Now, in our second message, we took notice of a spirit of independence and self-sufficiency uh, that seems to have permeated the church. They looked at themselves and they looked at themselves and they said, we have need of nothing. We, we don't need anything. Now, this was not a statement of contentment in Christ. Uh, they were completely fine, if you were, doing church while at the same time, Jesus is on the outside of the church. And so we must be aware of an independent spirit in each of us. We are to be dependent. We are to be dependent upon the Lord, and we're taught to be dependent upon one another, to submit to one another. We need each other in the church. We've got to be careful of being in, having an independent spirit. We are not lone rangers within the body of Christ. We are made to function as a body. And I think a lukewarm church will be made up of independent people that isolate themselves from the rest of the body. And we don't, as individuals, we don't need anybody. We're fine. We just come, show up for church, and leave. Don't really need anything else. You know what? That can be a lukewarm person. And if everybody's like that in the church, it can be a whole church like that. So we've got to be careful about the spirit of lukewarmness in that. And so a lukewarm person is living very independent lives from one another, and in reality, they're living very independent lives from the Lord. And they may not even realize it. They may not even realize it, because they didn't. They didn't. But one of the signs that, that we may be living independently of the Lord is that we're living independently of the church, because the Lord uses His church, which is His body. And so anyhow, we mentioned all that in the last message. Now, the next thing we want to take some time to consider uh, tonight is that the lukewarm church is also a deceived church. It's a deceived church. Um, now we see this by comparing what they say about themselves and then what Jesus has to say to them. 
They say of themselves, they say, we are rich. We have become wealthy. We have need of nothing. So that is their self-assessment. Uh, Jesus says, well, actually, you are wretched. You are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so in this lukewarm church, there's really no self-awareness of any spiritual deficiency. In other words, they can look at themselves and say, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're, we're, we really are. We're doing just fine. Now, so we got to be careful about this. They had no spiritual discernment regarding how they were spiritually. I think any child of God that's really seeking to be close to the Lord and have a zeal for the Lord can always look at something in their life and say, I need to work a little harder here right now, or I need to work a little harder there. We've, we should always be aware of some spiritual growth that we need to focus on in our life. No, we can't do everything all at once, but there should be an awareness, in our, a spiritual awareness. You know what, I know right now my, my prayer life has fallen off, or I know my Bible study's fallen off, or I know I haven't been witnessing, or I know I haven't been very kind to people lately, or, or I need to work on this, or, or work on that. You know, we need, we need an awareness. Awareness. So they were deceived. They thought they were one thing, and the Lord says that they were actually the polar opposite. That's how off they are. They said, we're rich, and Jesus said, no, you're poor. And so the polar opposite, that's how bad off they were. And so let's, let's focus on that aspect when they, when they thought they were rich, but Jesus says they were poor. Let's think about that. So they thought they were rich and stated they had become wealthy, but Jesus says they were poor. Now, what is being stated here, or what, what is happening? Now, are they actually poor materially? Are they actually materially broke? No, I, I think anyone who's read this with any kind of spiritual mind knows that that's not what Jesus is talking about. Um, I think they were actually financially well off. That They are referring to the temporal, the material, when they say, I am rich, Jesus is referring to the spiritual when he says, no, actually you are spiritually bankrupt. And so they're looking to assess where they're at. They say we're doing great because physically or financially they were in good shape. So that, that seems to be the case. So they are a church that is gauging their spiritual temperature by their financial wealth. Folks, that, that is dangerous. It's dangerous for a person and it's dangerous for a church. They seem to be looking at their bank account to determine how they are spiritually. They thought that financial wealth meant spiritual health. We can never think like that. Let me say it again. They thought financial wealth meant spiritual health. I think that most of us are aware of the dangers of the prosperity gospel, right? Right? I think I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm pastoring people here that are aware of that. I've mentioned that enough. There are those that use the gospel, of course, to, and Christianity to teach that, boy, that if you serve Jesus, you trust Jesus, He'll bless you with, with financial and, and physical wealth, all of that. And we know that that's simply not true, right? Now, of course, those people are false prophets that proclaim that message to gain followers actually so that they themselves can become rich. And so they use that against people. 
In 2 Peter, it says, Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words. And so to us, as children of God, who know good, godly people who are poor and have great faith, that, that message, that mainstream message that's out there in, with the prosperity gospel, that sickens us, right? Right? I need, I need a little bit of head movement, just a little bit. That'll make me feel a lot better. <laughs> it, it does. I hate that message. The message is deceitful, and the message is deceiving, right? Well, if you have faith, then you'll have wealth. If you have faith, you won't get sick. It's a, it's a prosperity gospel message. Being a faithful follower of Jesus does not mean we'll be financially wealthy in the world, right? Well, of course, we all agree with that. I think we all agree with that. Now, so while we have a disdain for you know, the Joel Osteen type of message that he brings, and many others like him. Here's the thing. As much as we may despise that teaching of those who openly proclaim such a message, we could be guilty by live, of living by the same deceptive rule that measures spiritual health by financial wealth. Do you, see, do you see the comparison there? While the prosperity gospel teaches, you know, if you trust God, et cetera, et cetera, you'll be, you'll be healthy, you'll be wealthy, et cetera, et cetera. While we might say we disdain that, and I think we should, at the same time, we could be living by the same rule. Whereas we assess ourselves personally or as a church and say, we're doing pretty good. I mean, look at our bank account. Right? It's the same thing. And so we've got to be careful about that. Very careful about that. We can never measure spiritual health by financial wealth. We can't do that, ever. Not as individuals or either as a church. It is wrong. If we look at the bank account and think, well, we must be doing spiritually good, look at how God has blessed us, etc., etc., and we need to know that all of our financial blessings have come from the Lord, but if we're doing that, measuring spiritual health by that, we're doing the same thing the false prophets are doing. We cannot by any means measure our walk with God, our closeness to Christ, measure our spiritual temperature and assure ourselves that all is okay within the church simply because we have wealth. We cannot do that. There are many wealthy people, many wealthy churches that are not right with God, and so we cannot do that. I think we need to see wealth as a blessing, but it is no measuring stick of spiritual health. Does that make sense? We need that. We need that. So wealth is not an indicator that we are spiritually hot. They were lukewarm, but they appeared to be physically or financially well off. And listen, wealth is not an indicator that we're spiritually poor either. <laughs> I've got to throw that in there too. Uh, there are some good godly people and churches that have many riches and some good godly people and churches uh, that are poor. It goes both ways. Uh, the Lord says He gives power uh, to some to become wealthy, and to some he doesn't. 
Now, but they looked at their wealth financially to determine their health spiritually. And people, this is where we get deceived, where we think that, boy, I must be in favor of God, I must be doing things right, my, my, my life's going good, I must be walking with the Lord, I must please the Lord. I mean, look at how good I'm doing here in my job. I'm making all kinds of money, I'm blessed here, I've got this, I've got that, da-da-da. Folks, we, none of it. Listen, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are, that are very rich, and they don't know Jesus Christ at all. Not at all. We can never, ever assess our walk with God by where we are financially. The Lord has many, many great, wonderful saints that are extremely, extremely, extremely poor. And we need to know that. Because while we might say we don't like the prosperity gospel, if we disdain or look down our noses upon extremely poor people, we are embracing the prosperity gospel. Does that make sense? If we look down on poor people extremely poor like with disgust, and then we, we are holding to a prosperity gospel mindset. Granted, some people can get them places in, that they have put themselves there, but we still shouldn't have disdain, you know? Got to be careful. Now, what also may be an indicator of something that's going on within this lukewarm church is that they placed value on their own things. And so, in other words, to, to see where they're at, they say, well, I'm rich. And so, but what are they looking at? They're looking at the material. They're looking at the temporal. Uh, they place too much emphasis on the temporal rather than the eternal. So, so there is an overemphasis upon the material rather than the spiritual. They place too much emphasis on money, upon riches, having wealth, and not enough emphasis on the spiritual things of Christ. And so there's so many ways, and I couldn't even... You can't even list them all out because there's just so many ways in which we could emphasize the carnal needs of the flesh over the spiritual needs of the soul. And this can show up in so many different ways. One of the indicators that we're emphasizing the temporal over the eternal is that all of our ministry is simply uh, around uh, supplying people material needs. While that's a part of ministry, that's not what it's all about. We must be careful about only wanting to supply the temporal and that we're not really seeking to uh, evangelize with the gospel and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think uh, we can do both, but the, the emphasis must be upon the spiritual. Now think about us personally and about how that we might be emphasizing, you know, the the carnal and the temporal over the spiritual uh, for me first personally as parents, you know, whenever we're willing to spend hundreds, even thousands of dollars on our kids' education or on their clothes or, or whatever of entertainment and pleasure, but we can't spare $50 to give them a nice study Bible, We've got a problem. That's something to think about, isn't it? 
But we spend a lot of money on our kids for a lot of things. We need to think about those things. It could be a sign that we're a bit lukewarm because we're overemphasizing the wrong thing, the temporal over the spiritual. As individuals, as a church, in our life, as our ministries, the spiritual has got to be up here. The fleshly, the temporal needs and the ministries of the church that it should have should simply be a means by which we reach people and connect with people to give them the greater, to give them the greater, to give them the gospel of Christ. So hopefully you can see so far how deceived this church was to uh, their spiritual state. They say we're rich. They say we're wealthy. We have need of nothing. And Jesus says, you do not know. <laughs> you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, when Jesus gives this description of them, He's not describing them physically. I think we know that. He's describing them spiritually. In other words, He didn't look at them physically and, and say you're naked, okay? But he's using the physical to describe the spiritual. They weren't physically poor, they were spiritually poor. And the Lord often does that. He uses the physical to, to, to relay a spiritual truth to us. Uh, but they were uh, poor, and yet they could not see it. They couldn't see it, but the Lord could. They couldn't assess themselves and see this, but, but, but He could. Listen, if we do not want to be deceived, and if we want to know, if we are in such a state that Jesus says they were in, then we need to ask the Lord to open our own eyes to see where we're at, and for Him to speak to us through His Word to show us those things. We must learn to measure success as a church and as an individual, not based upon financial or physical health, but upon the assessment of what Jesus Christ has to say about us. It's not us comparing ourselves amongst ourselves or comparing ourselves with other churches. What would the Lord have to say to us? And that's what we've got to listen to. I mean, not only were they rich, or thought they were rich, but were poor, he says they were blind. And, he said, and then he said, you don't know it. I mean... Blind and not know it. They were blind to their spiritual temperature. I, I think that's what the reference here is, is they could not see how bad they really were. They could not see where they were. Now, I found several sources that, that stated that uh, Laodicea was known uh, for some ISAV that they produced there in that area. And so I, no doubt the Lord is probably using that to teach them a lesson. And it may very well be from some that I'd read that their wealth in the church came from that resource in that area. So here they were possibly wealthy from an ISAB that is generated in Laodicea, and yet here they are blind. And I find it interesting that what Jesus says to them he says, "What well, I will anoint your eyes with eye salve. <laughs> and that region was known for producing actual eye salve. And so 
He's taking what they would maybe see physical that they were aware of and say, you need spiritual eyes, Sav. You need your eyes healed so you can see where you're at in relationship to me. Blind and not knowing it. How could a person be blind physically and not know it? And had to just be born. <laughs> I, I don't know how long, I didn't look it up, I don't know how long it would possibly take for a newborn baby who's born blind to finally one day realize that there's this thing called sight. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we know that as an adult, they learn to, and once, the, once, if they learn to, once they learn to communicate, they can be communicated to the sense of sight can be told about it, you know, and explained to it. They don't know what it, they've never seen, but they can, one time they can learn, at one time they can learn that they are actually blind. But if a person is an adult who can once see and then goes blind, it, would, it just seems silly to have to tell a, a person who could once see an adult that went blind to say, hey, you're blind. I mean, they would know that. And so I think it's just showing how ludicrous it is, how blind that they were, blind and not knowing it. Maybe the church is made up of brand new believers, you know, I, I don't know. But they are blind to their spiritual condition. Or maybe it's just a reference to the fact that they have lost sight. Lost sight. And that happens. Um, to us, even who can once see. Second uh, Peter chapter one. I read a couple verses there. Second Peter. He is there talking about their spiritual growth and telling them to add things to their life that they would be fruitful. And, and then in verse eight of Second Peter one. For if these sayings are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. Even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sin. And so there's a sense in, in which the, the blindness here that's been spoken of is a forgottenness of what Christ has done for them. In other words, they're not living in the power, the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And the gospel is not centric in that church at all. It's just not there. They've lost sight of the gospel. Lost sight of the gospel. When we lose sight of Him, we lose sight. When we lose sight of Christ in our life, lose sight of the gospel, we lose sight of everything. Do we truly want to know, to see, if we are blind to our spiritual condition, if we've lost focus of Christ? Does the possibility of being deceived about our spiritual condition, does that concern us? Do we want our eyes open to our spiritual needs and say, Lord, open my eyes to see, and we really want to? Then that is actually a sign that we're not in a mode of lukewarmness at the moment. Because they... The lukewarm church does not want to see, does not want to know, does not want to change. 
The lukewarm person in church is comfortable with where it's at and does not want to see any changes that need to happen. He also said they were naked. They were naked and didn't know it. <laughs> well, who doesn't know it if they're naked, right? I mean, you're either going to have to have a, a mental disability or you're going to have to be a newborn baby or a young, a young infant. But what, a, what mental adult is going to, you know, be naked and not know it? Again, it's what he's showing is their level of deception, their level and lack of, lack of self-awareness of where they're at spiritually. They're deceived about where they're at. To be naked in the Old Testament meant to be defeated, to be humiliated whenever uh, the armies would come back if they were stripped of their clothing or, or anything like that. It meant defeat and humiliation. The, the Laodiceans could go to the marketplace and purchase fine linen garments, and yet they had no spiritual garment that they were clothing themselves with. We are told to put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so it seems that this church again is deceived because they were possibly valuing the physical over the spiritual. Laodicea not only was it known as a place that produced ISAB, but it was also a place that produced a black wool. It was known for its black wool. And so maybe the wealth of this church was from this industry also. And maybe even many people wore black to church because of it being in that area. And maybe it was a symbol of wealth. So I find it very interesting that what Jesus says to me, that I will make you rich and that you will have white garments. White garments. And so I think it definitely, I think he's using something visual that they could see maybe in their own congregation, possibly, to say, you are focused on the physical, you need to look at the spiritual. You can look at your church and you can see, hey, you got wealth in there because of the ISAB. You can look at your church and see, hey, you've got black wool. I'm telling you, you need spiritual ISAB. Your eyes need to be healed and you need white garments. The lukewarm person in church is defeated and humiliated without victory in the life. They may look rich, but they are not living victoriously because they are not walking with Jesus daily and seeking to put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The physical things of life, they, they are necessary, but they are temporal and need to be viewed as such. The most important thing we need to know is Jesus and where we're at with Him. We need to walk with Him each day. Maybe something we can look at is, is how much emphasis do we place upon the outer attire? You know, this world is just so messed up with the material and with what we wear and what we put on. How much thought do you give to what you wear, how you look, how your body looks, how your hair looks, what your clothes look like? How much attention and thought do you give to wearing Jesus? <laughs> wearing Jesus. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as God or as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. If we look at the physical and we, we look at how well we are, 
we, we've got these clothes, we've got this house, we've got this bank account, and think, we're doing really good. And yet we're not walking with Christ and putting on Christ. We're actually poor. And we've deceived ourselves into thinking we are better than we are. How are we measuring spiritual success? How, how are we really? Assess yourself in your walk with God. Where are you at? And what do you look at to find that out? What do you look at? Fruit is the indicator. Where is the fruit at? Let us prayerfully ask the Lord to reveal to us our true spiritual temperature. And if this message alarms you, if it shakes you a little bit, and it makes you go, man, I, this concerns me, then good. <laughs> because if you can listen to this and then say, then you're probably lukewarm. Oh, I don't need that. You're probably lukewarm. I don't need to think about that. Then you're probably lukewarm. Well, he's way off. There's no way. Then you're probably lukewarm. If, you are, if, you, if we are lukewarm, do we really want to know? I do. It concerns me. It made may, me may think, well, whoa, we're spending so much time looking at this, but I don't want to lose sight of it because I'm praying about this and I want the Lord to show us. I want the Lord to show me because I don't want to be anything, anything where the Lord can look at them and says, that makes me sick. I don't want that. And I think all of us here tonight as God's people would say, Amen. We don't want that. And so, Lord, show us. Open our eyes. If we're blind to something in our life, we're blind to where we're at spiritually, let's pray the Lord to show us. Let's never be comfortable in our self-deception. Right. Father in heaven, uh, use this message, and I pray that for your honor and for your glory, Lord Jesus, help us, because I want us to be as individuals and as a church I want us to be zealous for the Lord. I want us to be zealous for Jesus, on fire for Jesus. And so help us, I pray. And, and Lord, if this makes us uncomfortable, that's okay because you have said in your word that as many as you love, you rebuke and you chasten. And so if this comes as a rebuke and it corrects us and it hurts a little bit, thank you, Lord. Let us be glad that you are speaking to us through your word because you do desire for us to open to you and to sit with you and to dine with you and to be close to you. And so help us, Lord, to leave on that positive note, knowing that you're calling us to yourself out of a state of lukewarmness into a state of zeal for Christ. God, help us to hear your call and to open to you as your people. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. All right, David.